All right, guys, what's up? This is Matt from the Human Animal Podcast. I'm here with Jake. If you didn't, uh, couldn't tell, we have a sick new intro beat, Jake. We yes. have really stepped up our game this week. You did an awesome job with that. Yes. Thank you very much for free things on the internet, Creative Commons. <laughs> Creative Commons, you can go check, uh, check out the full track. It's called I Don't Know by Grapes. That's outstanding. I know. Great name, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you guys will able to find that. That's on Creative Commons. Uh, also, man, our little podcast is growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. I, I've, I've found out that my mother is now listening, so we have at least one listener. Um, I know my mother is as well. So oh my gosh, good. two. Strong showing in the mother category. Uh, <laughs> it's phenomenal, right? 100% of mother. Uh, and we, uh, we are nascent podcasters, but we did figure out how to get our podcast on iTunes this week, so you can subscribe if you're interested, the Human Animal Podcast. You can search for that, or you can find a link on freefitguy.com. Just click the photo of the Human Animal Podcast on the side, and you will be able to uh, subscribe, which basically just tells you that they really let you put anything you want on the internet. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> there's, no, there's no control, people. There's no control. Uh, That's why you need to be careful. Which is actually, I didn't even mean to do this, but this is like the perfect segue into our topic for today. So today we're talking about uh, how we evaluate uh, information about training and nutrition that uh, we are bombarded with daily. How do we tell what's a good source, what's a bad source, what are our major sources and influences, because obviously that's going to give us some bias as to our perspective and answers, and we want that to be out there so people understand where we're coming from. Um, and kind of just talking about the process of, of learning and knowledge as it relates to health and fitness and, and kind of the, uh, the different pitfalls that can come of that in that process. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, first up, Jake, let me just, I'll, I'll start by asking you, what, who do you think are your major influences or, or where do you go to find new knowledge or to continually educate yourself? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I, as we had said last week, uh, podcasts are huge. It's a great way for, for educating, educating yourself, um, you know, without, you know, while I'm driving in the car, I'm going to an appointment or I'm heading to work, heading home. So, um, you know, one that I really like to listen to is, is Rob Wolf, um, is the paleo solution. I really, uh, dug into that one. Um, and, and otherwise, whenever I have, uh, you know, I, I look through different articles that I, I get, uh, like, uh, Mike Robertson or, uh, the band man, Dave Schmitz, um, you know, I'm subscribed to their newsletters, so I, I go through those uh, pretty frequently. Um, you know, kind of different things like that. A lot of times, you guys are the ones that are, uh, you know, the, the fellow coaches at Force are the ones that bring new information to life for me, and then uh, allow me to go and evaluate that uh, myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. This question is pretty interesting for me because I, I am definitely. Uh, a a self-taught uh, coach. My my background, uh, I think we talked about last week, is actually in Japanese and physics. And much of much of the uh, coaching and nutrition I've had does come through certified uh, credentials, but also mainly just my interest in learning and continuing to push myself. Um, my 
major influences, I would say. I thought about this this week. Mm-hmm. I knew we were talking about this. Fitness or, or training-wise, I have three that come to the top of, uh, top of my mind. Uh, first up, Erwan LaCour, founder of MoveNet. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about MoveNet as we go through this podcast. But uh, if you've ever uh, seen some of Erwan's tweets on Twitter or seen the video, The Workout the World Forgot, um, he is a very creative thinker. Um, and he's someone who makes connections for me that, uh, I didn't see originally. I didn't see him as there. Um, you know, his, his, uh, one of the first things that he said that really caught my attention was, he said, what is, what is the perfect, I'm going to try to do my French accent. This is terrible. But, uh, what, what is the perfect workout regimen for a tiger? (laughs) Nothing. He just is a tiger. So just the idea that you, that you, uh, the the best workout or the best movement patterns are going to be the ones that are natural to your species. Yeah. And that changed my mind with how I look at uh, movement, how I coach, um, and how I'm trying to get people to be as efficient with their movement as possible. And he continually pushes the bar, I think. Another one who's closely related to that is Gray Cook, who is the founder of the FMS system, which we use at Force to screen people. Uh, Gray is a world-renowned speaker and thinker. Uh, I li- every time I listen to him, he says something new and interesting that just changes my perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I gain something new every time out of something I listen to him. And finally, uh, Kelly Starrett, who is the founder of MobilityWad.com and owns San Francisco CrossFit. Uh, Kelly is another one, and you, you'll see a common theme here where, where my interest is drawn to. Uh, Kelly is also one of these guys championing um, movement quality and improving our mechanics and our biomechanics and finding optimal positions for us to express our uh, fitness and health. Mm -hmm. And so all three of these guys, even though they come from different backgrounds, screening, uh, Kelly's from more of like a high-intensity exercise background with CrossFit, but doing uh, physio, he's a physio as well. And then Erwan, who comes from more of a parkour free running background and, and natural movement, uh, I kind of see them intersecting in this movement quality and improving human movement and reducing pain and dysfunction. Um, and those are the three guys that whenever they put out a new product or they have a new blog post or I find out they did an interview with some other person who wasn't me, <laughs> then uh, I'm going to get it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surround myself with their information because I found over time I don't have to agree with everything they say, but they challenge how I think. Mm-hmm. And they constantly put out good information. Yeah. Um, good information meaning not that it's necessarily true or that you have to agree with it, but good information in that it's clearly stated, it's thought of in an intelligent way, they have reasons for why they are defending their points. And they're open to change. And I think this is something that's so critical in what I look for uh, from any health or fitness professional. Uh, People that think they know it all probably have no idea what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. I know that we, as coaches, uh, are constantly saying, I'm not sure, or I don't know, or let me try to look more into that for you. Mm -hmm. Of 
course, we have a reservoir of knowledge to draw from, and we uh, I'm comfortable in a, with a wide group of people and dealing with a wide group uh, a wide group of situations. But there's going to be specifics to each person that are very detailed, and there's going to be things that we don't know about the body. Um, I know I'm going on here, Jake, on my little tangent, but humor humor me for just a moment. <laughs> People out there are already turning off the uh, turning off the podcast. Sorry, guys. But uh, if we think about knowledge in the state of knowledge and how uh, it's constantly evolving, um, I remember there's a, a famous kind of anecdote about a uh, graduation ceremony. I think at Harvard Medical University, mm-hmm. and the keynote speaker said, "Good news and bad news. The good news is." Uh, you know, 50% of what you learned in college is right. Bad news is 50% of it is wrong, and I can't tell you what 50% that is. Mm-hmm. So um, constantly, our, our knowledge and our understanding of, of the human body and brain, uh, gut health, uh, disease risk, uh, how to best train in different areas, how to improve function, is constantly evolving and constantly changing and constantly being challenged. And so I want to put myself in front of people who are willing to acknowledge that they are changing and learning themselves as, as they teach. I don't want to be in front of someone who says, I've got this all figured out. Listen to me because I think that that's uh, not only arrogant, but quite frankly, wrong. They, yeah. they have something wrong there. Absolutely. Uh, the, the moment you stop questioning is, mm-hmm. uh, is bad. You know, um, because then there's no room for growth. That means you, you feel that you've learned it all, and there's nothing else that's going that's going to impact your opinion. Um, you know, when new information is available, if you don't take that into account when making a decision on something, you're going to be in a bad place. Yeah. So how do we find new information? Um, we kind of talked about our influences, um, people that we go to all the time. I know both of us. Uh, listen to podcasts, we uh, uh, research papers when they're available, Mm -hmm. but um, I think it can be confusing for, especially people we see coming into the gym, they read something somewhere, or they, uh, their friend tells them something, or they saw a news uh, story about how a new study says red meat causes cancer, Mm -hmm. or... um, I mean, it can be anything. You hear all kinds of different things like that, right? Yeah. And instantly, they they have questions. They want to know what's going on. Or maybe maybe they're ready to go ahead and change their diet. And they change their lifestyle on the spot. Because we have people who are willing to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or we have some come in that have, you know, read something and said, this is absolutely the, the, the answer. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, I'm, I'm unwilling to change. Yes. And... Yeah, so that's, and that's another whole bag of worms, but I guess what, I, what I'm going at is what, how do we determine if these sources are, are viable or useful? Um, and I can give you a couple rule of, rules of thumb for me. One, uh, I basically ignore any popular science news story almost offhand. Mm-hmm. Um, Mainly because I've been burned too many times down that road. Mm -hmm. Um, These studies, without having access to the actual study, 
being able to read the abstract, having the background knowledge to understand the scientific process they went through, whether it was valid, and then whether the conclusions that they actually draw from their data are valid, which requires quite a bit of um, learning and background and time. It's mm -hmm. a huge time suck if you were really going to look at all those things. Yeah. The, the news, news stories and news station channels in general want to get the biggest bang, the, the biggest uh, bang for their buck, right? The biggest... Uh, Sensational reverb, yeah, they're gonna get the biggest reverb through the interwebs. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna simplify it down uh, to something that maybe is is not really backed up by the data or is misconstrued. Mm -hmm. um, so while uh, that being said, if there's something interesting that looks interesting, I uh, from a news story like that, I would definitely look into it more and be interested in learning more. But I think offhand, you have to be very careful with that kind of information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, you have to question everything. Even, mm -hmm. you know, question yourself, like we were saying earlier. Uh, you know, if you stop questioning yourself, it's a problem. Um, but question those things. Look, you know, if, if you do have time uh, and the ability, look into the study. Uh, you know, look at the sources and, um, you know, see what the facts are. And then you have to evaluate... Who did this study, and, and do they have some alter, uh, you know, alternative uh, motives? Um, you know, is it is it somebody who uh, is is pushing a you know uh, maybe a vegan lifestyle? Um, not to to pick anybody out, but maybe it's somebody who's trying to push that, or somebody who's trying to push a um, you know all protein diet. I don't know. Yeah, um, you know, only eat protein. Yeah, that's it. We call it rabbit starvation diet. <laughs> Um, so you, you got to watch out for what their motives are. You know, you can twist, uh, you know, data to, to, to show just about anything you want. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they can distort the truth or only show the, the aspects of it that they want to see. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of times people are pretty convincing, particularly if you, if you don't know what to look for. Yeah. And this is where we can get into uh, really quick, making sure everyone understands the difference between causation and correlation yeah right you heard about popsicles and shark attacks right yeah popsicles and shark attacks so uh really quick fun example uh we have a giant set of data because we've done questionnaires everybody trying to track a bunch of different things we have this set of data in front of me and now i'm going to try to determine what are some interesting relationships within this data and i notice that at the same time that popsicle sales increased shark attacks also increased. So from this data, a, a, a correlation would be these two items are related within this study. They're related somehow. Uh, what's usually sold from that data is causation. Oh, uh, when people buy more popsicles, sharks attack more. Popsicles must really upset some sharks out there. Okay. Whereas, uh, if we don't know the underlying mechanism that, oh, well, popsicle sales go up in the summer. In the summer, more people swim, so there's a higher chance of sharks attacking people because there's more people in the water. So uh, that's where the data can kind of hide what the true underlying mechanism is and where things can get very confusing. Um, and this is, uh, I think, one of the most wonderful things about the Internet and development of the digital ages is, is we as coaches have access 
I have access to all my other coaching idols, people that I think are just doing phenomenal work day in and day out, challenging themselves, challenging their peers. And I can get access to their thoughts and ideas. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the problem is, and I even feel this way sometimes, there's too much information out there now. Mm-hmm. There, there's something like, what, 2 million blog posts written every single day about health and fitness. Uh, there are articles. I mean, these major news, uh, news sites have to create material every day. So they keep, uh, keep sending stuff out to their readership. It's, it's information overload. Mm-hmm. And I realized this a couple years ago when I was just I was trying to read so much and I didn't have a framework to analyze what I was reading and what I was learning. And so everything that I learned, it was immediately like, uh, oh, I got to change my mind to this. Oh, I'm changing my mind to this. It just goes back and forth. It is insane. It's hard to keep track of, of what's real and what's not. And most of these sites will contradict themselves multiple times, mm-hmm. sending different information out. So it's like, eggs are good, eggs are bad, eggs are good again. Yeah. Well, the whites are good, but the, the yolks are bad. No, the yolks are good and the whites are So it's like, how am I supposed to make a decision? And people, we, we get into paralysis by analysis. It's impossible to make a decision with so much information and not a good sense of where this information is coming from. And this is where I really like the idea of coaches and people in your local community who have a vested interest in your health uh, acting as professional curators of information. I feel like part of my job as a coach is not only to uh, get people the results they want, train them, talk about nutrition, but it's to encourage learning um, that's appropriate for that individual and to give them feedback about what my perspective is on things that they've heard and read. And so... uh, not to be like a big brother, but this is just something that I, big brother scenario, but something that I spend so much time involved with that I, I hopefully can give a good, valid opinion to them. Um, so you, more, you can, more act as like a, a filter. Yeah, I'm a filter. But even being a filter, I have people bring stuff to me all the time, and I never say this is absolutely right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, I understand that perspective. Let me tell you what my perspective is from this, and then let's see what works best for you. So again, it's we not go, being dogmatic. Yeah, and I think we go right back to the outcome-based decision-making. Yep, and this this is where, and this you're actually tying this all together. You're tying episode one to, to this episode, and this is what we really want to get to. If you have principles about how you're going to uh, run your filters or run your understanding, you can always check back. Mm -hmm. So to review our principles, in case you missed the last episode, one of them that Jake just talked about, outcome-based decision-making. How is what you're doing right now working for you? If you change something and you feel better, you perform better, you look better, I would say that's, that's pretty good evidence that you actually are feeling, or you're better, like things are going better for you with that change. Yeah. Um, and in the same token, if you read a news story or read read an article and it says, hey, you should try doing this kind of deadlift set or you should try eating this food post-workout and you feel worse or you don't feel any change at all, then to me, that's, that's valid evidence from your own personal experience that that's not accurate for you. So here's a question for you, Matt. Yeah. Um, how long 
do you have to give something before you decide that uh, this isn't working for me? You know, mm. do you try it once? Is that a fair? You, you got to. How many times do you have to try something to say I give it a fair go uh, to evaluate it? Well, that's a good. That's a great question. One thing I don't. I don't personally evaluate every single thing that comes across my plate. I'm very picky about what I. What I, I don't want to be constantly shifting because that's that's a nightmare. You have to change one thing. For a specific period of time, preset, my go-to is usually, with nutrition and diet, it's usually three to four weeks minimum. Mm-hmm. Could be longer, uh, depending on your individual situation. So you have, a, you have a baseline you compare things to. Yeah, and th- it can't just be, uh, oh, I think I feel this way, or I think I felt that way. You have to take detailed notes throughout the process, mm-hmm. and really be willing to be self-critical, and set aside... Um, kind of some preconceived notions going into it, which can be difficult for all of us because, I mean, we have stuff that we feel has worked really well for a lot of people, and uh, that reinforces my beliefs in those things and my the reason I'm going to use those, go to those things. But if we run into a situation where it doesn't work for a person, then rather than throw that person out or say, hey, I need to be willing to adjust. Yeah, yeah. So... With food and nutrition, I'd say three to four weeks minimum, changing one small thing that you can track. Um, but this is this is where the value of a coach comes in. A coach is not just someone who, who hopefully is not just telling you what kind of weight to do with your sets and reps. There's someone who's uh, a partner in your journey towards health that can provide feedback, that is a sounding board for you and can help you with their expertise and their knowledge of the area dial in what you need to be looking for, what things might be changing the best. Yeah, you know, from a, from a coach's perspective, there might be other things going on in your life that are going to affect uh, the way you lift more so than just uh, what program am I on right now. You know, uh, this week I, I've been, uh, personally, I've been sick this week, so would my training, as a coach... Your voice sounds better when you're sick. You should stay sick. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but not really. So keep keep sick. <laughs> Um, you know, whenever somebody is sick, would you adjust their program? You know, if they're yes. not recovering, their day nutrition is not the same. Yep. Right? So, you know, it's ever-evolving, um, you know, how we would interact. And, and like Matt said, you know, you're a partner, uh, you know, working towards the, the end goal of, you know, ultimate health and fitness um, that none of us ever achieve. But... You know, we constantly have to be able to adjust on the fly based upon our, our situation. Yeah. And so uh, just to kind of bring this idea to a close, guys, or, or at least this part of the, uh, the podcast, what are we saying? We're saying that there is a ton of information out there. Mm-hmm. It is very confusing. Most things contradict, them, uh, contradict each other. And it's not until you get into the root of what those different things um, – are based off of that you can really make a good decision and you can only make a good decision if you have a framework from which to understand this stuff. So for us, outcome-based decision-making, um, making sure it's sustainable lifestyle changes that we're asking you to do, making sure it, it promotes healthy body and healthy mind too, not one or the other, and that it's focused on giving you the highest quality possible, okay, the highest quality outcome possible. Yeah. Uh, that's our framework that we work from. Um, so you can quickly evaluate a lot of things. Um, you know, a, a diet, for example, you can quickly assess, 
is this sustainable for a long term? No? Okay, then why even spend any more time, you know, evaluating it? Yeah, unless you have a very specific need for a very specific person. Again, that's that's the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, we and, and we want to look towards coaches and other people in the field um, who are invested in your health. Uh, I think... It, it's there's people in the health and fitness field that have really become celebrities. Yeah. And um, well, even though I, I in my head I imagine they all mean well, doesn't necessarily mean like a celebrity has to put out information. You know, Doctor Oz has to have a program every day. So I, I'm just I'm not and I'm not dissing on any of these people. I'm just saying, if someone is involved with you day to day, face to face, I can guarantee you that. No matter what you're gonna, they're gonna be interested in your health, and I really find it helpful to work with a coach. I work with my fellow coaches to help me stay accountable and to help me see my way through things. Um, so, uh, and don't get married to a method. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say, "Oh, this way of eating, I'm eating paleo now. I'm eating uh, nutritarian. Uh, I'm eating." vegetarian, I'm eating this, I'm eating uh, Mediterranean, and this is the end-all be-all. Yeah. You, that's a method. That's a way of doing something that's not principle-based. And so when you reject other ideas because it doesn't fit within your method, now we have an issue. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would caution people to do. Well, and, and kind of on that as well, um, you know, some, some individuals may go from you know, just eating an awful, you know, a very poor diet, um, you know, skipping a lot of meals, having a lot of highly, uh, highly refined and processed foods, and then they go to something, uh, you know, uh, maybe a, a nutritarian uh, type diet or a vegetarian or, um, you know, really anything, and their health improves. So we look at that as, ah, here's the solution, here's the best answer. Um, when, yep. when in actuality, we should constantly be, constantly be evaluating and saying, is this the best way for us to do this? Um, and, and maybe so, maybe not. Yeah. And uh, I guess one other thing I, I did want to touch on, I feel like we've beaten this thing to, to death like a dead horse, but we'll keep riding it a little longer. Um, we don't want to say that we only value research. I also value experience. I... I personal experience and uh, experience in and out, uh, helping people dealing with these different issues is highly valuable. And that's why I look up to coaches and people that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. Um, that being said, time doing something and experience to me are actually different experiences as someone who's actively pursuing improving themselves mm -hmm. over time as a coach, uh, as, a, as a trainee. Those people are much more involved in the process. They'll get more out of two years of being super involved in the process than someone who's checked out and just has been doing the same thing for 40 years without ever questioning themselves. Yeah, yeah. So, no yeah. So, uh, last thing or one last thing we want to talk about uh, that I want to throw out there because I, I had this crazy idea this week about how to explain how humans and we, we kind of uh, take our knowledge and, and use it. Okay, so they, let me know how you feel about this. Okay. Okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into the Bucky Balls. The Bucky. I know, okay. but we're going back to Bucky Balls. Okay, so in my mind, 
each little bit of knowledge that we get is like an atom, okay? And as we start to build our framework and our of understanding, these atoms hook together and they form molecules, bigger molecules. And eventually they form something that looks like a buckyball, okay? So we've added all these different bits of knowledge from all these different things, and we got this giant mass of knowledge uh, of things that, that we've learned, okay? When a new piece of information is introduced, it can either be added and kind of absorbed into this buckyball, which basically means, okay, I see how this fits within my framework. This is useful information. I'm adding it. It's just reaffirmed what I, what I know, okay? Or we say, hey, this doesn't fit my framework. I'm rejecting it. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, take this. The most... Um, Influential people, for me, like what we talked about before with Erwan and Kelly and Gray, they have this fascinating ability to present knowledge in a way that it actually shifts the structure of my entire buckyball of knowledge. I'm now able to see things more clearly. Uh, everything's arranged better. It's not such a mess. I have uh, an ability to access the information I need quicker because I have a new perspective on everything. And that's ultimately... Uh, I would love this podcast to turn into something like that for people where they hear something it could just be one thing where now, hey, my perspective just shifted and everything makes more sense. Everything I knew make, know makes more sense now. Um, yeah. Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. So you see as these new ideas and thoughts are, are presented to you, uh, it, it shifts the way you see things, but does it, it does it connect them more clearly? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, yeah. it, a good shift. It connects them more clearly, or I might have to reevaluate and realize some of the ideas that I held is true are no longer useful. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think any coach would say this. If I look at a program that I wrote for someone two years ago, I usually cringe. I want to vomit in my mouth <laughs> because I think, oh, my God, what was I doing? And it really wasn't that bad, but comparatively now with my perspective and the new, new things I've learned, I'm like, I could have done a better job for this person. So I'm apologizing to all my current clients right now. In two years, I'll probably want to vomit over the program I just wrote you this weekend. But in the time, you were doing the best you could with what you had. Exactly. So a little bit, a little bit of grace for everybody. I feel like the other thing is we don't want to, I'm, I'm interested in the pursuit of knowledge and, uh, and helping people. And that's what we're motivated by other people that are doing different things than we are, but who are still motivated by those reasons. Um, I feel like we're closer together than we are further apart. Yeah. So, uh, last thing we've got to end with something that's a little bit more light than this. Cause I feel like we just got pretty philosophical on this. <laughs> and, uh, last week we, asked a question about the zombie apocalypse. How would you train for it? Today, Jake, I want to know if you are on board with the latest nutrition fad hitting the industry, baby food. That's right, baby food. I want to know if you're sucking down some Gerber <laughs> post-workout. Well. And what do you think about it? Uh, I do not. <laughs> I have, have not jumped on that bad wagon. Uh, as of yet, that's not to say I wouldn't uh, give it a shot, see what I, uh, outcome-based decision-making. Yeah, there you go, framework. See how, uh, see how it affects me, see how, uh, if I enjoy it, um, and, and evaluate it that way. But I currently have had no experience in approximately uh, 25 years uh, uh, with baby food. 
but I have seen it. I've seen it around. Yeah, you know what? I really, I think they should start selling baby food with T-shirts that say "Baby Strong." Baby Strong. Yeah, I'm Baby Strong. Um, <laughs> so this was a tip we got from some of our friends who are using it to recover post workout, especially in between competitions or on the road. And I got to tell you, I had my first baby food experience last weekend, and it was actually not that bad. Uh, we were on a canoe trip on the river. We had packed some lunch meat, and we're looking to get some uh, some vegetables in there. And we were at Trader Joe's, and we found carrot and apple baby food, which was basically just mashed up into a pack that you it was like a squeeze pack. It was really delightful. I got to tell you, the squeeze packs are pretty fun. Now, uh, evaluating this based on our framework, quality first, like high nutritional value. Uh, it was only made with organic carrots and apples. It had nothing else in it. So quality is there. Um, healthy body, healthy mind. Uh, I mean, I felt, I felt baby strong after eating it, dude. We need to, to my, clean my, that my, my, my brain was, on, was baby strong right there. I was developing. No, I, I actually think they're, they were really useful as an on-the-go thing because they're in such small packets. Did that, you feel satisfied after? Was it filling? Uh... Mm, maybe a little too mushy to be filling yeah. and small. I mean, they came in like 50 calorie packs, which so, I mean, again, calories aren't everything, but it, the serving size was small. It felt kind of appropriate. Would you say, would you say enough to fill a baby? Probably almost the perfect amount. I'm, I'm dare say the perfect amount to fill a baby. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> um, but if you are on the go and you need, you're in, in a rush for something, Check out the uh, the baby food section of your your health mart. Find something that has maybe just only vegetables and, and fruit in it, and uh, give it a go. And let us know what your experience is because I'm really fascinated by this idea. With this idea, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. Um, dog food. Dog food. God, that is that is tough. Uh, we buy our dogs uh, very good food. I mean, it's the, the blue buffalo, uh, grain-free, um, all high-quality uh, ingredients. I've never had it, but I question it. I just want you to know, Jake, you, we just jumped the shark right now. It, the <laughs> moment was right there. Episode 2, when Jake wants to know about dog food. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is actually interesting because the, we also buy really high-quality food for our dog. Everything in it is... Meat, fruits, veggies, organ meats, basically just mashed up. Yeah. Um, so how do we see that as different? I feel like it's the smell. <laughs> it's got, I think it's... I open that thing up every day, and the fish smell is so overpowering. There it is. Uh, maybe I'm biased. I mean, my dog loves them. They smell, they smell better than I do. It's probably cultural a little bit. I'll tell you what. If I was in the zombie apocalypse <laughs> and I needed some food, I'd be, I'd be hitting up the dog food for sure. Absolutely. I would not be afraid. High protein content, good nutrients. Seriously. I, I was thinking about it. The dogs have a very clean diet besides the occasional, you know, stick. Yeah. That they like <laughs> I don't know why your dogs <laughs> eat sticks. Because he's weird. Uh but they, they eat clean all the time. Yeah. I'm sure they feel great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Okay, so now we have two questions for our listeners. One, uh, have you ever tried baby food? Would you consider trying baby food? Why or why not? 
Second question, have you ever tried dog food? I'm almost scared about the responses we might get from that. Uh, why or why not? What's your experience? We want to hear from you guys. Um, after this week, we're going to be moving more to a question and answer section. We, we just wanted to lay out this framework for how we think about stuff, be very open with some of our influences and how we look to people to be filters as well for information because there's so much information out there. And uh, we want to try to provide you guys the very best from our understanding. So, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. If you like us, give us a review. I have no idea why, but every single podcast I've ever listened to said, please review us on iTunes. So, go ahead and try that. Maybe we'll help out somehow. <laughs> and uh, we'll come back to you next week with, with more Q&A. And um, if you have questions, again, you can use the contact form on freefitguy.com. Send questions in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you guys are the reason we're doing this, and you're going to keep it going if it, if it does keep going. So thanks again. Jake, you want to sign off? See ya.